Thank you. Today's message comes from Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through chapter 8, verse 1. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And I do so, I do what I do not want to do. I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do. This keeps, I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and asking me and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, brothers and sisters, it's good to be with you. And as we started off with that song, 10,000 Reasons, based on Psalm 103, uh, this Friday night, just this past Friday night, we had our uh, suburban camp out in Fishers. And so there were about 50 of us who were gathered out there, and our devotion that night uh, was centered around Psalm 103 and what it means to bless the Lord, to praise the Lord for all that he has done for us. Uh, and so it's my privilege to just extend greetings to you from your brothers and sisters all the way out east in Fishers. Um, and, and it's good to be with you this morning and to remind you of the truth of God, the blessing that God has placed on your life, that grace and peace are yours from your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, as, uh, as Pastor Max said in his introduction, um, we're going to be looking at what it means to say this wonderful Reformation truth, that we are at the same time sinners and saints. And we're going to start with that sinner part. And you heard just this wonderful confession from the Apostle Paul, the words that were just read from us, for us from Romans chapter 7 and the beginning of chapter 8. It's probably, it's probably not echoed anywhere else in Scripture, such a clear confession, a first-person confession, maybe other than Psalm 51, when King David confesses his sins. And Paul speaks about that struggle that's at work within him. You know, and the truth is, I could start off today by, by just kind of reintroducing that passage to you. I, I could say it something like this. I knew a guy, and this guy was, uh, was a good man, church going. In fact, he loved the Lord. With all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, he loved the Lord. He, he dedicated his life to serving God. He had a zeal about him, a zeal for the church, a zeal for the ways of God. And people outside looked in on him, and they thought, that's a guy who's got it all together. I want to be like that guy. In fact, his reputation was impeccable among the people, that he, among the community where he lived. But there was something that the people couldn't see. They couldn't see the struggle and the fight that was going on inside of him. They couldn't see that, 
that daily or even more frequently there was a struggle within him between doing the good that he knew he was supposed to do and being involved in following the temptations of the world, submitting to the lust of the flesh, submitting to those things that were calling out to him and drawing him away from God. And it was a constant battle. Sometimes he would win. But even in those moments, the victory was short-lived. And he found himself right back in the heat of the fight, not wanting to do these things that he was doing and constantly striving to be better, but always coming up short to the point, the end of this, where all he could say was, I'm a wretch. I'm a sinner. I mean, you might think that I just told you the story of the Apostle Paul. But if we're honest, I just told you your story. You who are here to worship on a beautiful summer day, who've chosen to be church-going people, who other people in your life probably look to as somebody who has it all together, but who, has, who have internal struggles, a constant battle with the sinful nature at work in you, and the temptation to go the way of the world and to submit to the lust of the flesh, of wanting to do what's good and right. Sometimes you win, but even then the victory is short-lived. And you find yourself at the end of the day saying, I'm a wretch. It's a struggle that every Christian has to realize in their life. Has to be willing to come to the place where we'll submit and confess to this truth that we are sinners. And, and I could ask you at least, Rhetorically, if you agree with that statement, do you believe that you're a sinner? But, but first we have to acknowledge that the world bears false witness about sinners, right? And sometimes we even submit to it. And if you don't believe me, um, just do me a favor. Tell me, um, tell me who you would name if I said, tell me an evil person. Who would you name? Evil person from history, who would you name? Jeffrey Dahmer, Adolf Hitler. Right, we can keep going down this path you name a whole bunch of other people. And what do we typically do? We say, well, those, those are evil people. Those are wretches. Those are sinners. And if I were to ask you to get closer to home, and I were to ask you who the real sinners are in our community, you'd probably tell me a story about a teacher who had a fall from grace based on the decisions that they made. Or about a a business leader, a business owner who had extorted money from their company and in so doing had robbed their employees. You could probably tell me about somebody in our community who had their sins written large on the front page of the newspaper. They're splashed all over social media for people to see. And we could all together point our finger and say, now that's a sinner. Someone whose bad choices have been written large for everybody to see. But that would be false witness. That would be wrong. Well, to be clear, that would be incomplete. Because each one of those people is guilty of sin, and some of those sins are incredibly grievous. But it doesn't exempt the full story. It doesn't exempt us from realizing the full story. To realize that the Bible paints a very clear picture of what a sinner is like. Turn again to the Apostle Paul. The one who wrote those words of confession earlier in the book of Romans, he wrote this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? All. 
Not just those really, really bad people, not just those people who've had these catastrophic falls from grace, but all people have fallen short of the glory of God. And then he'll go on to say, and the wages of sin is death. To declare that those who are guilty of sin, which is all, have a critical condition known as death as a result. We start to dig deeper into this, and then we find ourselves wanting to submit to a temptation that says, well, since everybody's guilty of sin, it's really not that big of a deal. And we start to diminish our sin, and then we can point the finger once again at somebody else. But the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1 these words, once you were alienated from God, that means separated, that you, had com- that you had ruptured the relationship, created distance between you and God, and were enemies in your minds. Enemies, not just people who are passive, but actually actively engaged against God. You were enemies in your mind. Why? Because of your evil deeds. Doesn't sound like Paul's diminishing sin at all, does it? On the contrary, he's speaking to us this crystal clear truth from the scriptures that we are sinners to our core. And if we'll be honest, we admit that we lose the struggle too often. We'll admit that we're wretches. We'll admit that we can get to that place that place where we submit to our sinful nature and commit sins, sins maybe even sometimes that other people don't see but are nevertheless truly there. In fact, one pastor, a pastor named Tim Keller, wrote these words. A Christian comes to grips with the truth that in our sin we are more wretched than we could ever imagine. I knew a guy and I'll withhold his name to protect the guilty, though I have permission to tell this story, in a different city, in a different place. And he was a popular kid. He was fantastic at baseball. In fact, he thought that was going to be his career. He took some time off to decide how he was going to pursue that route, a gap year between high school and college. And during that time, he had lots of free time on his hands, probably too much. He was working, but he was also partying, and he got too busy going down the partying route. Until one night, well, let's just say the charge read extreme DUI. He didn't even know that he was behind the wheel of a car. Praise God, nobody was hurt. But that didn't stop the charges. And he had been in trouble with his parents before for alcohol, so they told him, we're not going to bail you out of this one. You've got to do it yourself. And so he had to pay all of the fines himself. And because of the charges, he lost his license and he lost his car, which means he lost his job, which means he lost his girlfriend, which means he lost all of his friends and nobody wanted to party with him anymore. And that's when he came to talk to me. He had been a church-going guy. And you got to understand he's Toy Story generation, So in the midst of his conversation, he said, you know what, I feel like that toy, the one that everybody wanted to play with, but then got broken, and somebody put it on the shelf, and nobody wants to see or play with it anymore. And we can point a finger, we can talk about that guy's sins, or we can ask what the charge against us would look like if it were read out loud. 
and we can see the results and the effects of his sin. But if we were to ask, what about all of those things that are unseen, the results of our sin all the time, those people that we have sinned against and they don't even know it? Instead, we find ourselves identifying and saying in our sin, we are more wretched than we could ever imagine. We are sinners. And I could give you more proof texts from the scriptures. I could continue to lay this on, but I can see in your faces that you get the point. And that probably like me, you're rejoicing that we're not just talking about one truth this morning, that we are sinners, but that we are talking about two truths this morning, that we are simultaneously sinners and saints. And then you start to say, saints, how can this possibly be? Because the world bears false witness about saints too, right? I mean, if I were to ask you who's a saint, you would probably tell me. Say it out loud. Mother Teresa. Almost like I knowed you was going to say that. In the words of Mater. Mother Teresa. Right? She's a saint. In fact, a writer, Shane Claiborne, in a book, Irresistible Revolution, wrote, I, didn't even, I had never even met a Christian until I met Mother Teresa. And you might, if I pushed you further, talk about the, the people in the Bible like John and Mary. Those people are saints. If I asked you to go a little bit further and to talk about our community and the saints you see around us, you'd probably talk about, well, you'd talk about her for putting up with him, right? You'd probably talk about a neighbor, somebody who had done something extraordinary, had gone out of their way at extraordinary cost to themselves to do something for somebody else in their sacrifice. And that picture of saint isn't just incomplete, it's wrong. It's completely wrong. Because it's based on what those people did. It's based on the activities that they performed. That we're saying that that's what makes somebody a saint. And if the Bible is clear about what a sinner is, the Bible is crystal clear about what a saint is. The Apostle Paul knew it, and at the end of this litany of confession, when he's talking about not doing these things and doing the other things, he says this, who will rescue me from this body of death? And his answer is a simple doxology. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Who will rescue me? Not myself that I've made atonement or amends for myself. Who will rescue me? None other than Jesus Christ and him alone. Who will rescue me? Only Jesus who covers me with his blood that I might be forgiven. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. And you want a biblical picture of this? One of my favorites from Revelation chapter 7. In Revelation chapter 7, the saints are gathered around the throne of God, in the paradise of God. And the Apostle John says this, they are too numerous to count. That's how many are gathered around the throne. And they come from every language, tribe, nation, and people, from all throughout the world and all different time. And they are all gathered there. And as they do, they proclaim in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. That there in the paradise of God, we sing this song of praise to the one who has made us saints, Jesus Christ. But understand, Christian, that it's not just then when we are made saints. It's now 
And so the Apostle Paul writes to the Colossians, and by extension to all of us in Colossians chapter 3, one of my favorite little snippets from the New Testament, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Holy? Us? But we're sinners. Sinners who've been chosen by God made holy by the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is placed on us. Why? Because we are dearly loved by God. And because we are dearly loved, we are made holy through Jesus Christ. We are chosen in him, and so we belong to him. We are saints of God, not because of what we've done, but because of what God has done in us. Because of what Jesus has done for us. The Apostle Paul knew this truth. He knew it in the midst of his ongoing struggle. And that's why he wrote those words, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what a privilege it is to declare that. So that day, he said to me, feel like the toy that's been broken and put on the shelf that nobody wants to play Nobody wants to see. And I had the privilege of saying, but God sees you on the shelf and chooses you and takes you off the shelf and mends you and fills you with his love and forgiveness and sends you out into the world. Or the same pastor who wrote, we are far more wretched than we can ever imagine, followed up with the sentence, and in Jesus, we are far more loved than we could ever dream. We celebrate two truths, brothers and sisters. We are sinners. We are saints. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.